our chapter for today is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is a great, 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 great chapter. Uh, the clear main theme of the chapter is generosity. Uh, that's a theme that's going to spill over into the next chapter as well. Paul is urging the Corinthian church to, to be generous with the possessions that God has given them. And uh, the latter half of the chapter is Paul's commendation uh, of his missionary companion, Titus. There are a couple of noteworthy items I want us to consider. And the first is um, a remarkable formula for generosity that he gives. A remarkable formula for generosity. To me, one of the most memorable verses in, in the New Testament is 1 Corinthians 8, 2. I've read it over and over again, just sort of marveling at the, the flow of thought and reasoning in it. Again, as we said earlier, Paul is urging them to show generosity in their giving as the believers in other churches, namely the churches in the region of Macedonia, had done. Paul holds up the churches of Macedonia as an example uh, for how the Corinthians ought to give. He said so they were taking up a collection for the church in Jerusalem who was struggling. And he had, Paul had already gone to the churches in Macedonia and raised uh, a collection of money for the church. And now he's writing to Corinth and he's saying, here's how the Macedonians gave to the, to the Jerusalem church. And, here's, and I'm going to use them as an example. And you give like they give. And here's what he says about the Macedonians in verse 2. For in a severe test of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Just pause and read that a couple of more times. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. He even goes so far as to say in verse 3, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will. I love these verses, and they are really worth a, a closer look. Consider the various elements of verse 2. Paul says that among the churches in Macedonia, one, their, their abundance of joy, and two, their extreme poverty overflowed into three a wealth of generosity. Joy. That, 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 okay, that, that, here's the formula. Abundance of joy plus extreme poverty equals a wealth of generosity. What does a wealth of generosity look like? He says it in verse 3. It, 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 it's, not, it's, a, it's a generosity that doesn't just give according to your means, but even beyond your means. Here's how I interpret that formula. The only way extreme poverty could turn into a wealth of generosity is if the abundance of joy is the dominant factor. The joy has to overcome the poverty or overpower the poverty in influence and significance. If the joy is dominant, it will find a way to be generous in spite of the extreme poverty. It will find a way not only to give according to the means, but beyond the means. And we'll see more about that in the next chapter about how that actually works. What will, an, what will an abundance of joy do? Why will it do that? Because it really deep down realizes uh, that's what Jesus has done for us. Paul says in verse 9, For you know how the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. An abundance of joy comes from realizing that truth and from realizing 
that the riches we have received in Jesus Christ far outweigh and are far worth far more than any material goods we have here on this earth. When that is realized, we hold our goods with an open hand rather than a closed fist, as, Cor fist, as Corey Ten Boom said. Those in extreme poverty easily desire and hoard every little bit they, they may ever, ever have left over. And though, those who realize, though, with, with an abundance of joy that there are bigger and better things and an eternal reality waiting on us, they look for ways to share that little bit left over and show the love of Christ to those who need it and, uh, and, and, and to see it. Well, let's think, secondly, about uh, God in our hearts. I, the last point I want to highlight in this chapter is found in verses 16 and 17. Here, here's what Paul says. But thanks be to God who put it into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. Now, you, that's, the, that's the kind of verse that you might just blaze right on by without thinking about. But look at it again. Verses 16 and 17. But thanks be to God who put it in the heart of Titus, the same earnest care I have for you, for he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest of you, uh, earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. And isn't that interesting? God put it into the heart of Titus, and yet Titus did it of his own accord. God put it in his heart, and yet Titus did it on his, of his own accord. That is instructive of how God works in salvation too. Freedom is being able to do what you want to do. Uh, and, and true freedom is wanting to do the right things and then doing the right things, right? But generally, what we mean by free will is, is being able to do what you want to do. That seems pretty common sense. Um, not being able to do what you want would be uh, restricted in some way. Freedom would be the opposite, doing exactly what you want to do. Our problem, though, is apart from Christ, we don't want the right things. I mean, that's, that's Romans 3. We don't want to repent. We don't want to follow Christ. And so we're, while we are free to do whatever we want to do, um, we aren't free to come to Jesus because we don't want to. We, we don't want to. We're, our wants are messed up. And unless God comes to us and in his sovereign power changes our wants, uh, when God does that, uh, we then are free to come to Christ and come of our own accord. That's what God did this thing in, in, in Titus's heart, and then Titus came of his own accord. There's an old hymn written by Charles Wesley called And Can It Be? And uh, it beautifully sums up this truth. He said, and we'll end with this, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's light. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke. The dungeon f flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Those are just a few thoughts from Second Corinthians chapter 8.